We'll continue on in our study. We are remembering in 2 Peter chapter number 1, uh, Paul reminding us to be fruitful in the present. So, yes, it's difficult days. Yes, it's dark days. And we know the ends of the world have come upon us, but it doesn't excuse any uh, barrenness, right? We're supposed to abound in fruit and be fruitful. And so he wants us to do more than just make it through. He wants us to be fruitful in those uh, bad times. And so First uh, Peter, he wrote to us about getting through. Second Peter, now he's reminding, uh, reminding us to be neither barren nor unfruitful. And how we do that is add to our faith and grow in the Lord. And so he deals a little bit with that in the first part of this chapter. He acknowledges the foundation in verse number one. Um, everything we're going to be doing and growing is going to be according to his favor, right? According to his divine power has given us all things. So um, God one day is going to reward you for what he gave you the ability to do. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, he saved you apart from yourself and he's going to reward you. Uh, in a similar way, but it, but it does uh, save unto good works. And we're exhorting one another because it's profitable to men uh, to do good. It's not enough just to get saved and, and I, you know, just sit there. He wants us to go on, grow up into him in all things and be conformed to that image. And so he does that by the power of the work of us, right? <clears throat> so it's according to his favor and growth. Adding to your faith and he deals with those things about what to add, virtue and knowledge and temperance and all of those things. And then verse number eight talks about abounding in fruit, what that will um, do for your life. If you don't do those things, you'll be a far off, blind, and forgetful. So we'll uh, end up being getting to a place as a saved person where you're not even sure you're saved. You've forgotten that you've been purged from your old sins. And then you'll have the, what we uh, dealt with, verse number 10, excuse me, assurance from falling. And so that's what that verse is dealing with, making it sure for yourself and uh, dealing with assurance for yourself. Assurance from falling. Then verse number 11 is where we ended Sunday. Abundance for the future. And so let's begin our reading. Uh, verse number 10 says, Wherefore the brethren give diligence to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so this word diligence has been used often too. Uh, knowledge uh, is used, knowing um, is used, knowledge is used quite a bit in this chapter. But also this word diligence. Um, you know, it's uh, mentioned in verse number 5. It's mentioned here again in, in verse number 10. And then it's also mentioned, just translated differently on down, uh, when he is um, endeavoring. Uh, so um, anyhow, so give me, being diligent to make your call election sure. If you do these things, you'll never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you. And so we, we ended there in talking about this abundance for the future. We're not blind and cannot see afar off. If we're adding to our faith and we're growing in the Lord, uh, we're able to see the future. We're not looking at the here and the now. Um, you know, we are uh, uh, giving our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. And we're doing that because we are looking for a city uh, and plainly seek another country, right? A world beyond here. Uh, we are looking to the eternal things and eternal rewards, not um, uh, things down here. And so um, if you don't add to those things, you'll be that way and you'll lose sight of that and even forget your say. But if you continue to add, you'll continue to see 
things like verse number 11, this abundant entrance. Now, we covered this, so I won't go back over it much, though it still is helping me, and I'd like to look more into it. But um, I think we'll just go on from here. But this entrance, in my opinion, is at the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. So I don't believe this is the entrance when you die and depart to be with the Lord, which is far better. Uh, nor do I believe he's talking about um, into the millennial kingdom. Uh, but I believe this is something that is added, uh, which that word is translated add, add to your faith. Uh, but this is something added to your entrance into the everlasting kingdom. Um, uh, that... Um, Eternal, uh, and what John saw coming down out of heaven talked about that entrance into that city. And I think there could be something there. I don't know what all is, uh, that has to do with, uh, but maybe the crowns that you're wearing. I mean, it could be various things. Just um, don't let your mind wander out of the bounds of Scripture. But it's fun to think about and good to think about good holy things. I don't know what it is, and I'll leave it here, but I want to be a part of it. Don't you? I want an abundant entrance into that kingdom. Not so that I can be praised of people, but uh, because I want to do something for the Lord. And um, I, I talked to Tyler about this. We were talking about it some on our drive, I think Sunday maybe. But, um, you know, anytime I've ever had a birthday or anything, the family's going to do something for me. Uh, even the kids, if they don't have money, they want something to give me for my birthday. And I, the little girls will go in their room. I think some of you have maybe received some of their gifts that they've packed from their room just to give to somebody because they want you to know they, uh, that you love them, you know, kind of thing. And uh, that's what I want. I want to have something for the Lord. I want him uh, to know I appreciate him and love him. And uh, I can never repay him for salvation, nor am I asked to. Uh, that is uh, something that can you, you would labor in vain to do. Uh, but he does ask us to do a lot of things. And if we love him, uh, keep his commandments. And he'll reward us for that. Add to our faith. Grow in the Lord. And that's what he's been dealing with. Because not only will it help you here, but there'll be an abundance for you in the future. So just stay encouraged. You're not wasting your time serving the Lord, okay? Um, um, the Bible said, God's not unrighteous. Forget your work and labor of love, right? Which you've shown towards his name. So you will be rewarded for that. Um, you know, I, I know I say often, you're talking about Brother, Brother Shane, but, um, you know, that, uh, but God will never forget that, that work and labor of love uh, to come down and tell a man about Jesus and um, let him know that there's hope in the Lord and that God can change his life and save him. And um, so let's just keep on those things, keep adding to our faith and keep growing in the Lord, knowing uh, that the Lord is keeping tabs on all of it, right? And uh, so he won't be unrighteous to forget those things. And people often are, right? People often are. Um, I, I can, you can do something uh, kind for somebody and um, they forget all that you've done for them and they can betray you in the blink of an eye uh, because they're people, right? Uh, but not so with the Lord. God's not unrighteous to forget that, which you've shown towards his name. Now, things you've done for yourself, you get all your reward down here, right? Uh, but your works that are tried in the intense when you're tr they're tried in those fire and wood, hay and stove and everything comes out the other side, not only the, what type of work it is, but the intent that it's done. If it was done to be seen, it's going to burn up. And I don't want to stand in ashes when I'm tried at the judgment seat. Do you? 
I want to have something come out the other side, some gold, some things like that. All right, so verse number 11 deals with reminding them of not just the reward here, um, but also the reward in the future. And then he begins, he shifts gear a little bit in verse number 12, and he wants to awaken them by the facts. And so we'll start in verse number 12 and deal with a couple of these verses. And uh, he begins by telling them, wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. And so in verse number 12, he talks about wherefore, because I want you to grow up in, into all things, because I want you to have an abundant future. I don't see, I don't think Peter is simply talking from a position of him wanting to have this abundant future. He wants you to have it, right? This is a glimpse of a man whose dying wish is to see the betterment of other people, right? Uh, his, his dying concern is to not be negligent to do things for others, to make sure that they are perfected in him, that they are growing up into him in all things, that they have an abundant future. Sure, he wants it. He's going to lead by example. I believe that some of what he's going to go and talk about, I'm going to endeavor that you would have these things always in remembrance when I pass. And I think that may be speaking to that, that I'm not going to tell you to do something. I'm not. So I think he's concerned about his abundant future, but this man's dying. Dying wish is to be diligent and not being neglectful of reminding you of the truths that you already know, right? He doesn't want to impress them with things they, they do not know. He wants to stir them up in the present truths that they're already established in. And so um, we can't be, and that's why that story kind of goes, uh, that song is so fitting because no, no matter how many times I've heard how Jesus came and died and bled and was risen again, it's never gotten old to me. I've never heard somebody take a text from John 3.16, start to preach and go, here we go with John 3.16 again. Anybody ever done that? No. Has it ever got old when somebody tells you that he's your advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ? Does it get up? I know all those things. Who do, I mean, if you've been saved any length of time in an independent Baptist church, that you know you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for your sins, and not for your sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. How many times have you heard that quote in your life, Christian? Has it gotten old? I get tired of hearing that propitiation stuff. I get tired of hearing Jesus risen from the dead. Can't we do some, talk about something else? I've never felt that way. I hope you don't. Right? It never gets old to hear and talk and preach. You know, we do need to uh, grow and be disciples and those things. I understand that. And he talks about adding knowledge too. But as far as stirring up where you are now, he uses what is the, the truth that you're established in that you presently know now. Those truths that you have and which you hold and that you're established in, I want to stir you up and constantly remind you of those truths. And if it doesn't stir up your pure heart, maybe it's because your heart hearts either not pure, right? Maybe, maybe you're cold. Maybe you're indifferent. Somebody says that, that talks about, you know, being saved and testifies. And, and man, when I don't get excited about that, I think to myself, something's wrong with me, right? There's something wrong when just the plain, simple truth, the simplicity of the gospel, the power of God unto salvation is dull to you. Something's wrong, right? 
Now, I like to learn things and think about things, and I'm not sure, and the Spirit's in prison, and, uh, you know, where was the, when did, the, when did Satan fall as lightning? And I like, I like to think about all kinds of things that, uh, you know, and study them out and try to figure them all out, but there's nothing that stirs me up like the simple truth of Jesus died for your sins and imputed his righteousness, which is now manifested by faith of him. So the righteousness without the law, you can be saved and justified in heaven based on nothing more than... Than the, than the righteousness of Jesus Christ and faith and repentance. That's it. That just still just excites me to death. I used most of my energy Sunday, so. But I'm still excited about it. It's wonderful. Does that stir you up? How about you uh, tonight? Does that simple truth, I hate to even say the word simple, it, but, that, but does, does currently established present truth still stir up your pure mind? That still, does that still do something for you? It's just, well, I hear the same songs, or I hear the same testament. Well, you know, uh, I, I, I think something may be wrong with us when current truth doesn't stir us up. See, he's, he's talking about adding to your faith, growing in the Lord, virtue, and adding all those things, and talks about this abundant uh, future that you have. But he goes back to say, while you need to add, while you need to grow, and part of that adding is knowledge, I want to spur you on to growth by stirring you up in what you already know. Not the possibility of something that you don't know. Right? So uh, I'm going to try to add some knowledge. I'm going to try to grow in the Lord and, 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 and do all these things. But no, what, 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 what's going to stir you up and spur you on to, to go on with the Lord is to stir up your pure mind by things you already know. Present truth that you're already established in. That'll stir up your pure mind, right? And I'm going to not do that. I'm not going to be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them. So when you get tired of the preacher saying some of the same old things, think about that verse, right? Say, you know what, Lord, just help my attitude. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's not him. Maybe I'm just cold and present truth doesn't stir me up anymore. I don't get stirred up about Jesus anymore. Just uh, could be you, right? Uh, but uh, anyhow, so he said, now, my, uh, I'm not going to be negligent. I am going to do all that I can. This always, this uh, constant, consistently reminding you of the present truth. Not uh, what is currently true, but the truth which is present with you. Truth that you as John said, uh, for those that were with us Monday night, you know, John uh, said uh, that I, I write nothing but that you have heard from the beginning, right? No new commandment. Those, those present truths, things that you already have and know, ought to stir you up. And that's what I want to do. I want to stir you up. In and that's what he's going to go on to say. But I'm not going to be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them. And a lot of times when I get down and when I get uh, discouraged, it's going back to those times when I'm uh, knelt down on uh, somebody's porch and uh, uh, tears streaming down my face and, and just in the, in the simpleness of my heart, crying out with a prayer, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And uh, somebody standing there with a Bible telling me that uh, uh, something about a white horse, just about, I mean, I, I just, this, those, my mind usually goes back when I want encouragement, uh, back to current uh, present 
present truths that I know that I'm established in. And so if you're discouraged tonight, maybe, maybe you need to go back and, and remember when you got saved, when you got called out from darkness and you were uh, translated into the kingdom of his dear son. And, and David did that often. He would call back to remembrance. God, you've delivered me before. You've done this before. I, 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 I'm going to go on because I know you can do it. I've been through this already. You've done it before. That's the, that's the idea. That's the picture here. I, I want you to go on uh, uh, and further and, and grow up and move on and move up and move forward. Because if you don't, you're going backwards. And then you'll be like this and you'll forget that you're even purged from your old sins. So I want you to go on. And how I'm going to do that is I'm just going to keep reminding you of the present truth. As you're growing, I'm going to keep reminding you in the present truth. That's what he, that's the picture here. So that when you, as you're growing along and saying, um, well, you know, I'm not going to do this or I'm, I'm tired. I'm not going to read my Bible. Uh, you can, you can go back and, and you're like, no, I know that I need to based on present truth, right? That you're established in. I know I should because I've done this before, and here's what happened, <laughs> right? I've been here before, and if I, if I, uh, when I um, may, uh, told you about the other day, and I got down, and I had a decision to make, I can, I can let myself get discouraged, and I can go this direction, or I can encourage myself in the Lord and stay busy doing the things of God, and I can go this direction. I've been here before. That's the same kind of picture that he's trying to get them to understand, is you need stirred up in the present truth. Our churches need a stirring. Most churches you go in, there's not a stirring anymore. People aren't stirred by anything. That's what, that's, just search out this word that he's going to deal with here. Let's go on to the next verse. We'll go ahead and deal with it. So I'm not going to be negligent. I'm going to put you always in remembrance, always, consistently reminding you of things you already know. Now, that just sounds miserable, doesn't it, if it, on the natural level? You kids, could you imagine going to school for... 12 grades until you're a senior and every day of your life you went through the same class with the same teacher hearing the same thing. I'm not going to say what I'd like to do if that happened to me. I'd rather, I think I'd find a quick way to depart and be with the Lord. How miserable would that be, wouldn't it? But not so with the things of God. They're alive, right? Some of you have been saved longer than I've been alive on this earth. And you've heard some of the same things over and over, and it never gets old. It's still alive. You've heard the same. How many, t- how many times probably, Brother Reed, in the 40 years you've been here, has Brother Jones probably taken this text and preached from it? It's a, but, but you know what? It's alive. The Word of God's alive. It's not gotten old like your textbooks get old, right? The Bible never gets old. He's going to deal with the, with the Word and the truth. And so what stirs you up? Well, uh, uh, Tennessee consistently choosing to put the worst quarterback in America in the game every single year stirs me up. Well, it stirs me up too, but this is not what we're talking about, right? <laughs> I've seen people get real stirred up about all kinds of things, but, the, but, but truth about the Word of God ought to stir you up. And if it don't, something's wrong with you. You've gotten discouraged, you've gotten, I don't know what's wrong with you, but if the truth of God's word, even it's in simplicity, even the foundations, if they have become boring or they don't stir you anymore, there's something wrong with your spirituality. 
That's what he, and so what he wants to do for them is he wants to continually remind them so that he is purposefully trying to stir them up. Have you been in a, ch- a church before? And I don't like it when I can detect it. And, um, uh, you know, if you're praying and you're walking with the Lord, a lot of times you can detect that fake stuff. And you can see a preacher just trying to work people up. I know some that are famous for that. And generally how they'll do that is by a certain song. They know the songs to sing, they know who to get to sing them, and they know how to stir people up, don't they? Nod for me. How many of you been in revival meetings that you know exactly what is going to go down, and if it doesn't get on, somebody's going to make it on, right? Because they want the emotion of it. Well, there's nothing wrong with the emotion. Sometimes we've gone to the other side of the ditch. In avoiding that emotion, we've dried it all up and, and taken the emotion out of it. You can't do that either. We've got to stay balanced in our emotion, in our spiritual life. We have to stay balanced, right? Uh, we did that as a Southern Baptist. As independent churches come out of Southern Baptist churches, they attacked them for holiness. And so they went to the other side of the ditch and kept holiness and just hammered holiness. But then over time, the love and the charity was forgotten. They went on the other side of the ditch. There's a good balance of holiness and love and charity and all those. So you have to stay balanced. And we have a tendency to get on one side of the ditch or another, right? So I don't like fake stirrings. That's not what he's talking about here. But he is talking about that word stir means to awaken, to arise, right? You've heard somebody sing that song. Is, it, is there a song, your cries have stirred the master or awakened the master or something like that? I don't know, I've heard something like that. But, but that's the, it's based upon when they go to awake Jesus in the storm and he rises and he's risen. That's this word stirring. It's when uh, to awake somebody out of sleep. Taylor loves this. This is her favorite thing in the morning is to be woken up out of sleep. Her favorite thing. And she loves when Tyler does it. Taylor, 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 Taylor. You're shaking your head and I thought you loved that. Okay, she doesn't like it evidently. But that's what's being said here. Uh, that's why Paul said, awake thou that sleepest. Sometimes we get to the place where we're just, we're just so, I, I don't know what happens to us. We're not even, it's not even that we're, we're discouraged or that we're down or that we're about to quit or we're just cold, we're indifferent. We're just kind of, I don't know. It's just things don't excite me like they used to. Anybody ever gotten there? Somebody could just sing about Jesus and there's something inside of you. you just, it took everything you could to just remain calm. It's just something exciting inside of you. And I don't know how that may be, shouting, crying, everybody's different in their emotion. But there was some kind of stirring in your soul about the things of God. And something happens, we go along in life and we get whatever you want to call it, and you get to a place where it's like nothing can move you anymore. Right? What shall I like in this generation too? Is that not what Jesus said? They're like, we've, we've piped for you, we've played for you, and you're just dead. You're just, nothing, nothing stirs you anymore. Nothing awakens you out of this sleep that you're in. You're, you're asleep in your Christian life. You're, you're, you're in cruise control. You're just, you're, you're not adding, you're not growing, you're not, and you're, you're on the verge of, of, of you're, you're in that place where you're gonna, you're going uphill, and you've got the pedal to the metal, and then you start, you, you're in fourth gear and you didn't gear down and you start slowing down and before you know it you kind of got neutral and then just before you know it you're going to start going backwards because you can't make it uphill and you're going to stall out right you got to go uphill in the right gear now if it's inevitable for any Christian if they stop growing to go backwards there is a period I think of 
I think there is a period of neutrality. I don't think it lasts long, but there is a period where you come to where you're not gaining any ground and you just get indifferent, you just get cold, and, and, and it seems like when people get to that place, if they don't get stirred up in the present truth, if they're not reminded, if they don't, if they don't, if they don't choose to say, you know what, I'm going to overcome this because Jesus is being too good to me, and they start adding to their faith and continue going back uphill, drop it back down into Granny Low and start climbing again. Y'all don't know what Granny Low is. Do you know what Granny Low is? You might know a little bit. That has nothing to do with the Bible, so don't worry about it. And start climbing again. You don't have to keep going backwards. Spiritually, I think people get in their mind when they start going backwards, they, they, they start thinking, and, and we talked about this some Monday night, it, it's like you almost get to the point where because you're failing so much, you just throw your hands up and say, well, what's the use? Because every day I just fail, and you just get tired of it, and you just accept it. I guess I'm just dead spiritually, and I'm just going to be, this is what I'm going to be now. You get that kind of attitude about it. And, and I don't know why I think that's the devil because the Lord says at any time, at any time, behold, I stand at the door at knock. Any man that will open, I will come and sub unto him. That's fellowship. Now people say, uh, talking about salvation, they'll talk about Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. Here's a newsflash. Jesus doesn't want anybody's heart in here. He doesn't want to live in none of our hearts. Right? Your heart is wicked and he wants to give you a new one. He doesn't want that filthy thing you got. He wants to crucify it is what he wants to do with that thing and give you a new one. But they'll sit there and say, well, Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart, and if you'll open up, he'll, he'll save you. And I'm not, I'm not attacking that, but I'm saying in context, that's fellowship. And so if you want restored fellowship, uh, the, the Lord has said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So I don't, he, there's never a time where he's not trying to draw you back. Now, his presence may seem like he's withdrawn himself. And maybe because uh, there's something about desperation, uh, there's something about that uh, that will drive desire. There's something about him maybe uh, pulling back the manifestation of his presence to you that will make you start seeking him more. But he's not left you. He's working something to try to get you back into fellowship. That's, how, that's who he is. He's your advocate. He, he's, he's, he ever liveth to do what for you? Maketh intercession. And so uh, you get into that place. You don't and say, okay, Brother Clint, I feel like I'm in that place where I'm going backwards. I feel like I, I, I'm almost a fall off and blind. I'm forgetful. I'm not even sure if I'm saved. Well, if you're a child of God, the answer is the same. Repentance and faith in Jesus. Right? Just get back to losing sight of yourself and get, eye, get your eyes on God and get back to serving him. Repent, he'll cleanse you and accept the forgiveness. Let God forgive you. Some people won't forgive themselves long enough. They want God to forgive them. God will forgive them. They won't forgive themselves. Well, do you know what I've done? So I just sit here and I, I'm, not a, I'm not worthy to do anything. Hey, newsflash. Nobody in this building is worthy to do nothing. Your pastor's not worthy to preach the Bible. If God was calling people that were worthy, nobody would be used for nothing. Right? Paul said he even had to obtain mercy to be faithful. Right? Someone said, well, I thank my God who counted me faithful in putting me in the ministry. And I've heard preachers preach and say, see, God only calls faithful people. Well, I believe that, but I don't believe that's what that verse is saying. That same word counted is the same word we use in Romans that talks about imputed righteousness. And it was counted to him for righteousness. God made you faithful. You weren't naturally inherently faithful. You're a fallen, no good for nothing scoundrel is what you were. 
right? <laughs> I don't have much of that little get up and go today, but I got a little bit of it. And so what, what the preacher's, what his, what his desire here is, I'm not going to be negligent and continue to remind you of the present truth. And I think some of us are looking for, uh, and, 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 um, even in a position where you're far off blind and maybe you're cold and indifferent, it's like you're waiting on God to do something miraculous. You're, you're waiting on God to move in a certain way or a certain message gets preached or a certain song gets sung or a certain emotion happens in the church or some kind of special, specific thing. God's done everything he needs to do for you when he died and was buried and rose again and sent the Holy Ghost into your body. That's all God needs to do for you. Right? And I think we're awaiting some kind of special new revelation. I think it's what you need is just a good old reminder of the present truth that you're already established in. You've just lost sight of the great truth that you're forever settled in heaven. You're saved. You're sanctified, set apart. You, I mean, maybe not practically in sanctification. I'm talking about uh, in, in your standing. Uh, you've been sanctified and you've been justified in Jesus and you've been forgiven all your sins. And you need to just remind yourself and stir yourself up that what, if what you're saying is true, then everything God's revealed about himself is a lie. God's abandoned me. God won't forgive me. God doesn't love me anymore. God will never use me. You'd be dead if that was true, right? <laughs> stir yourself up or let somebody else stir you up in things that you already know. Jesus loves you. Oh, boy, Brother Tony, that ought to stir us up. So that's so simple. That's just first grade stuff. Some of us need some good old first grade truth. Just a, sim just a simple Bible message that Jesus loves me will help you just about more than anything. <laughs> you know why? Because none of, none, of us feel like, none of us feel like we deserve to be loved if you're saved. Right? You just can't even hardly lift your head up to heaven to even pray. In fact, you probably hinder your own prayer because you have no faith. You don't think God will hear you. Right? Well, why would God hear me? I've done such and such. You don't think God knew that before he gave you access by faith into the throne? Wherefore, come boldly. I, I, the only thing hindering the prayer is your sin. And he said, you have an advocate with the Father. If you confess it and forsake it, he will cleanse it. Is that not what he said? And so you'll forsake, you'll, 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 you'll admit it and you'll, you'll get up and even have the intent of forsaking it and, and God will cleanse it and then you'll get up and still, well, God just won't hear me. God, yes, he'll hear you. He said he'll hear you. He wants to hear you. That's the devil telling you that, right? Just get down on an old fashioned altar somewhere with enough faith to know that God loved you when he saved you. He loved you even though what you were going to be after you got saved. And he stands ready for any person. He's standing at the door and knocking. If you'll open the door, confess it and forsake it, you shall obtain mercy. It's simple. No, it's not that simple, Brother Clay. Oh, it's that simple. Well, you mean I don't have to stand on my head and turn around three times and do -si -do? You don't have to do it. You just have to simple, by faith, just like when you got saved, get down, repent of your sins, and believe the Lord. And the Lord said he'd cleanse it. Now he's put it under the blood. Now go on for God. Right? It's not that simple. You keep telling yourself that. It was, I know this much, Brother Shane. It was that simple 13 years ago. On the front porch of your house, it was that simple. 
It wasn't simple for me to deny myself. That took three days. But once I did and I got to the place I wanted to be washed, it was just as simple as bowing my head. I think I was saved. I think I was saved before he got done reading from his Bible. You don't think God loves you and don't want to forgive you. Listen, you need to be stirred up in the present truth that you've already been established in. You've been established in the truth that we have a long-suffering, forgiving, loving God that loved you and saved you and cleansed you and knew what you were and what you were going to be. Let that stir you up and don't let that keep you from God because he loves you. If you're saved now, I'm going to save people. In First Peter, we're talking to save people. And if you're not saved, it's just a little different. God so loved the world, and He gave His only begotten Son, and He propitiated for your sins also. It's just a little different. But if you're saved, God stands ready to restore your fellowship. Does He not? I say, well, I think it meets. Look at verse number thirteen. We gotta, we gotta. Oh, we're done. Uh, this is the purpose. I'm gonna. I'm going to stir you up constantly in the present truth. I'm going to keep on reminding you and, and for the sole purpose of stirring you up, to awaken you, to a, for you to arise. Um, he says that again in the next chapter in verse number one uh, in the stirring up. Uh, but uh, I think it meet as long as I'm in this tabernacle, as long as I'm alive, as long as I'm in this body of death, I want to stir you up. And here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to put you, put you in remembrance. And... Um, that's what bothers me sometimes, and can I say something to you young people, especially when you go to these camp meetings, um, there's, there's nothing more annoying. I, I understand God can move in a song service, and I've seen it happen. It should be a rare thing, and nobody even preaches. And, I, and you can see people, and, and people maybe come down and get saved or something that had been dealt with before, that knew the truth before, but nobody gets saved apart from the preaching of the Word of God at some point, Right? And so um, what happens a lot of these kidneys, and especially with young people that they'll run these things, they'll try to purposefully stir on your emotion because you're emotional in your years, in your teenage years, and they'll just try to stir you up with songs and over and over, and the same people go down the aisles crying the same tears, ah, boogers and snot flying, and, and nobody's preached the Bible. Now, I'm okay with that. I have been in services like that where, where, where the preacher didn't even get a chance to preach. God just moved. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They're, they're fairly rare, but I've been in a few of them, and thank God for them. But consistently, what ought to stir you up, if you, can, if you can shout at singing, but somebody says Jesus loves you, and you just sit there and look at me like I'm crazy, you're messed up. Right? What ought to stir us up is not some emotional song, which it does. I'm super emotional. I have to control my emotions. I'm an emotional person, and I can get stirred up in singing, and that's okay. But what ought to stir you up more than anything in this world is the present truth. If the truth doesn't stir you, you may not be of the truth. Or you may be so dead to it, you need some real help spiritually, right? One of the two. The truth ought to stir you up. Preaching ought to stir you up. I've seen people do it. I've seen them shout. I've seen them raise hands. I've seen them cry. And then you'll preach. You For years you'll preach to them. And they're just, I shall not be moved. The truth ought to stir you up. So what do you mean? I ought to be acting like you? Not, that is not at all what I'm saying. I have never said that from this pulpit at all. I'm not saying you ought to act foolish and act crazy and all that stuff like I do sometimes. But, but it ought to stir you up. Where does it stir you up? 
Were you saying that what this is talking about is that it'll, it'll stir you up and it'll show on the outside? Well, it could. I don't know. I'd say what the, uh, from the heart uh, comes to actions and the issues of life out of the heart, right? So I'd say it will show up maybe in some way. But what I'm more concerned about and I think he's dealing with is what he says is stirring up your pure minds. Now, he's going to say that again in chapter number three, verse number one. And so really we need stirred up in the mind. Now, the mind is not where the emotions lie. Right? So that's a little different. It's okay to be stirred emotionally. But emotional stirrings will never help you spiritually, really. They'll never help you have any everlasting. Has anybody ever done that? Got stirred up emotionally, and you felt like, man, you were almost thinking God might even be calling you to preach. And then you get up, and you go back, and it's like you totally forgot anything ever happened the next day. You just got kind of stirred up emotionally. I've done it. Got stirred up emotionally. I have to be careful. Anybody ever get stirred up emotionally and take on a missionary and wish you never did, you never had when you find out what they're really like two days later and you're like, man, how was I so deceived? Y'all remember that group of the Philippines? They'd come through with them young girls and sing. They tricked every church from here to North Carolina, raking in money. They were raking money in, playing on the emotions of people. Get them girls to sing these songs, and man, people get stirred up. And look, we can all fall to that kind of stuff. But what ought to stir us up, it ought to stir us up in our mind, is the truth, right? Get stirred in your mind about the truth. Now, singing has its purpose, teaching and marching one another in psalms and in spiritual songs, exhorting and all those things, and it has its wonderful purpose, and I'm not against any of that, but I'm against a lot of these meetings where that's all they want to do is stir up emotion through a bunch of singing, and nobody ever preaches, and every, for, for, for a week straight, you hear about, you wouldn't believe, we didn't, you, we didn't even preach, and 50 souls got saved. Every day, man, you never mentioned nothing about Jesus. You just sang and everybody cried and blew boogers. And, and I don't know about all that. Do you? Makes me worry a little bit. So be careful, young people. When you see that stuff, you ought to be sensitive enough to know that's not of God. God is concerned with the truth and stirring you up by putting in your remembrance of the truth. Stirring up your pure minds with truth. We are, we're going home. And that's what he wants to do by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly, uh, and so I wanted to deal with that, and of course I didn't, but he's going to deal in verse number 16 with authenticity and not fables. So knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me, and we'll go back. It's, it's too late now. Um, but knowing shortly I must put off my tabernacle, the Lord Jesus showed him that when he was young, he went where he wanted to, and when he's older, uh, men are going to take him where he would have never gone, and it was signifying the way he should die. So Peter knew he was going to be crucified. Uh, he knew the manner of his death. He knew he was going to die, and he's feeling here that he, that time that was appointed is coming. And uh, it, what he wanted more than anything was to stir up God's people and not be negligent by putting them in remembrance of the truth. Isn't that wonderful? That's what happens when we get our hearts right. When we get our hearts right, we'll get ourselves in the proper position. We talk some Monday night, I'm done. We talk some about loving ourselves. I think properly loving yourself, it means properly getting yourself in the proper position. God others you, Right? That's, that's what somebody, one man said, uh, joy was Jesus, others, and you. That's how to have true joy. Get yourself in the proper position. So if you want the best li your best life now, love God with all your heart and love your brother. And that's the best thing. You want to love yourself? That's the best thing you can do for yourself. Isn't that wonderful? Well, that doesn't stir me up. Well, 
I got a belt I can stir you up with when you get home, huh? It's on his birthday. I wanted to pick on him a little bit tonight. But uh, so anyhow, so I appreciate you tonight. We're done. We're not having an altar call tonight. We'll just stand our feet. We got to have a quick. Are you ready, Brother Michael, for after this? We're going to have a quick business meeting. I tell you what, let's have a song. Let's have one song, Brother Reed. Will that be okay? Let's do have a song. If you need to come, give you an opportunity. Get stirred back up in the truth. Right? It used to stir you up. What happened? Boy, I just used to love to hear preaching. Now it just, well, don't get down and give up, right? Just get back around the light. Repent and get right with the Lord, and you'll, you'll be stirring your, get stirred back up in the truth. The best thing I ever done in my life is just listen to as much preaching as I possibly could because faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. I think you've got to put yourself under good Bible preaching. When you get away from good Bible preaching, no wonder you're not stirred because you're not getting much of the truth. You want stirred up, you got to get the truth, right? Stand to your feet, and um, we'll have one verse if you need to come. Brother Reed's going to sing. What are you singing, Brother Reed? If you want to sing along, 472. If you want to sing along, we'll give you one, one verse.